Welcome into another edition of Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, and Congruity, congruityhr.com, front slash Tar Heels, to get your free assessment. Eighty-seven, North Carolina, seventy-six. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Sherelle McMillan. It is late, 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 but we're going to talk about this one for a little bit. Get your questions in the comments for Sherelle. But Sherelle, overall, thought it was a pretty good ball game in Madison Square Garden, the mecca of the game, and I think Carolina and UConn did it well. Yeah, really a high-level game. Honestly, uh, kind of had the feel of probably like a regional final type game with, you know, both teams going back and forth. Uh, Carolina makes a little bit of a run. Then UConn pushes it up to five or six and Carolina does the same. Then UConn pushes up to 14. Carolina gets back down to, I think they got it back down to three at one point. And then UConn kind of just overwhelmed them in the final five or six minutes. I, I think in my opinion, there was some fatigue from UNC, uh, especially from that under eight timeout on. I think the under eight timeout happened at 749. Uh, and you could just tell that the UNC players were, were starting to to uh, tire down a little bit. And it's understandable because the offense that UConn plays, uh, it is it is fun to watch. You know, not necessarily this game because they're playing UNC, um, but there's so much movement and so much action and so much movement off of the action, off of the movement, that uh, it, it can almost be hard-pressed to play a great offensive game uh, then get down, use the full court press to try to get back into the game and play defense still, uh, you know, 25 seconds into the shot clock and keep their legs. It just wasn't going to happen. So I think a combination of UConn just being, frankly, a, a better team. You know, they lost their first game since March 10th of last year uh, on, I guess it was Saturday night or Friday night. So you, you knew they were going to come out with their best effort. Um, so there's not a ton to, to take away I would say really negatively from a UNC standpoint, the defense needs to improve, but I think the defense is kind of, kind of be an issue all season and that the best uh, defense for UNC is it's high octane offense um, because UConn, I think they had 35 field goals in 20. Let me check real quick. We're doing live radio. 25. Uh, 20, 25 of them were assisted 34 field goals, 25 assists. That's like peak coach Smith teams as far as, sharing the ball, moving the ball. So it's just a tough matchup for UNC. Got to remember, you know, this UNC program is trying to get back to where UConn is. UNC traditionally is where UConn is right now and is trying to get back there. And you're going to, you know, take, take, some, take some jabs and some uppercuts when, when you're trying to get back. But I think they, you know, showed themselves admirably in, in this situation that they're not going to quit. They won't wilt. Um, they showed a little bit of fight, but there are some limitations, I think, with this team that, that we did see when they're playing the upper echelon in college basketball. Yeah, pretty much get in the podcast right there and get everybody to bed because you nailed everything. I mean, I thought this Carolina team, they played well, um, but UConn was just so ridiculously polished on offense. The only difference in the second and between you know the run they made in the second half versus the first half is they were missing some of those open looks. But they got every single shot they wanted 
for the most part. And Carolina just couldn't keep up with that. Um, what did you see in that first half, Sherelle, that sort of was the difference? You know, we, we can talk about – somebody on my Twitter feed was going all in on the refs. And my thought on that was like, you watched that game and that's what you thought about? Uh, I mean, come on. That was high-level basketball. Yes, it's BS that Armando Baycott got a technical foul. All of that kind of stuff. But that game was purely Bobby Hurley – or excuse me, Danny Hurley – and UConn executing better than Carolina did over the course of 40 minutes. What in the first half sort of stood out for you? I thought R.J. Davis was pretty much great throughout. I think, you know, when you talk about defensively, the first thing I think of is that the looks that UConn got in the first half weren't that different from the ones they got in the second half mostly. They just were they were hitting them in the second half, especially in that cluster where they pushed the lead from – I think Carolina cut it to three right at the beginning of the second half, and then it was up to 13 kind of in no time. They had uh, two threes and a layup back-to-back and, and pushed the lead into double digits. So that's the first thing I'll say is that, again, this is a, a tough team to defend. There's a reason they won the national championship last year. There's a reason they're ranked where they are because, um, like I said, that that motion and, and the way they screen and the way they get their guys open, it's just tough to defend that for 40 minutes and keep your legs. So that, that's just try to remember that. I think offensively for UNC, uh, it took Harrison Ingham a little bit longer to get involved than yeah, I think Hebert Davis, Hebert Davis probably would have liked. Um, but once he did get involved, he was he was strong. I mean, uh, I think he had 18 points, something like that. Uh, uh, excuse me, he had 20 on 8 of 13 and hit 3 of his 4 threes. So you got what you wanted from him. R.J. Davis obviously continuing to be on the tear, 26 points, 8 of 17. You'll live with that from a guard. Four of eight from three, hit all his free throws. Perfect. Uh, Armando Baycott, 13 points, but, you know, Klingon is, is a huge guy. Uh, the other center, his name is Gaysme, is a long athletic guy. So they're just throwing those bodies back and forth at Baycott. 4-12, um, just not needs to be a little more efficient. And then his free throw shooting reverted back to kind of where he's been at 5 for 10. So even with that, I think you'll, you'll take that from Baycott, 13-13 and 5. He's shown some passing skills that, we frankly haven't seen the last four years. So you'll take that from him. I think the issue is that after that, offensively, you know, from a points perspective, there wasn't much else. Cadeau had a couple of layups, and I think you started to see him, um, I don't want to say struggle, but you saw him against really high-level guards, and you saw some of the challenges he can present to them, but also the challenges they can present to him. Um, and there were a couple of times where he got into the paint and just didn't have anywhere to go. So um, that leads me to... Cormac Ryan, the other starter um, for North Carolina. And, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll be frank. We're not tearing anyone down. We're just, you know, telling you what we saw. But, you know, his shooting, two of the shots were in and out. You know, they, they looked good. Form was pure. You'll live with it. Uh, but some of the other ones, just he looks a bit frenetic, a bit rushed to me. Like he needs to just take a beat and just relax a little bit on some of those shots. You know, to his credit, he, he cut multiple times for layups. Uh, he was battling, playing good defense, but the, this North Carolina team just can't be what it hopes it is uh, moving forward without him making shots. And I, I mean, not to make it that simple, but, you know, he's he's 0 of 6 from 3. UNC lost by 11. They were uh, minus 9 in three-point shooting, and they lost by 11. So just a couple of those threes go in for him. You know, if he's 2 of 6 or 2 of 7, then the complexion of the game is a little bit different. Not putting it completely on him, 
Um, but they need him to make open shots to be the team they want to be. I agree with that. Um, and I had myself muted. I think everybody at this time of year is battling a cold of some sort, so I don't want to be snotty on air. But I agree with Ryan, to your point. He would get an open look, and he would still rush it. It looked rushed at times. He's got to hit shots for this team. I think he will. You know, I gave a hot take early in the season. He's not living up to that hot take. Um, I need him to start making shots. But somebody else that that I think really needs to sort of step up, and again, we're not calling people out. We're just saying they need to step up a little bit, is I think Jalen Withers has got to produce a little more. And I wanted your take here. Obviously, coming from Louisville, they struggled. But Withers has got some abilities that can really help this team. And I feel like the last three games, um, he hasn't provided much. I don't know if he's injured a little bit. I don't know what's going on. But even tonight, you know, two minutes, he got a couple rebounds, had an assist. Um, but it felt like he was just be- just out there, just being a guy. And it was also a game that Jalen Washington um, couldn't do much as well. Those guys really have to bring the intensity every night like they're capable of doing, like they've done in the past. What did you see from those two, Sherelle? Yeah, I think with Withers, um, you know, this was a game that he really could have impacted because of his length and his athleticism and his size. He can fight through some of those screens and, and run with that motion that UConn is, is getting is is running. Um, so I was, I was honestly disappointed, but, you know, you like to see him a little more engaged. I, I just don't know sometimes if he um, is fully engaged and, and fully kind of uh, on board with the game plan. Let's put it that way. Uh, because, you know, there was a time I think Carolina had cut the lead down to five. And if you're kind of in tune with the game, you know, RJ Davis is having a good game. You know, Harrison Ingram is having a good game. But he backs his man down and, and puts up a jump hook and shorts on him from about, you know, nine feet. And I think UConn might have went down and hit a three or, or got fouled or something. And it's just those kind of plays where you kind of have to use, you know, he's been playing college basketball for four years now. You kind of have to use that and understand time and place and situation. I think sometimes he, he's not the best at that. The three in the corner, didn't have a problem with it. You know, if you're if you're wide open, you need to shoot it. He had a great pass uh, for a three-pointer in the corner to Ingram. Uh, but, you know, you have to come in, as we've always said, Tommy, and not be a net negative. And I think too often this season when he has come in, he's been a net negative. And a part of that, I think, is still adjusting. This is game nine. So there's still time for him to adjust and kind of get that Louisville smell off of him, so to speak, uh, considering some of the bad habits he probably picked up on what was one of the worst teams in ACC history. So I I think you have to give him some time, but at at the same time, you can't give him many minutes in a game like this if he's not going to do kind of the the requisite things he needs to have playing time. I agree with all that. You talk about the Louisville smell. I mean, look at L. Ellis um, on his new team. He's he's yet to get it together for them. I'm trying to get that smell off, off of him as well. Withers struggled, and, and you're right. In a game like this, you need to have your athletic guys playing athletically and producing. And I thought that's what UConn was able to rush out. You know, Castle comes back. He he didn't do much tonight, but he's still six five, six six, and he causes problems. Uh, you got Cam Spencer. I guess he transferred from Rutgers. Seems about right. Um, he, he hit shots tonight. He he had been injured. He comes in and makes plays. But, Sherelle, the difference maker for me um, watching this game was Newton for them. And I know he didn't have but 14 points. Um, 
but just your take on how Carolina can match up against that bigger guard going down the road um, or going down the season because it's going to be a thing. It, nearly every game they play, um, they were switching on everything in the first half. I, I wasn't paying attention as much in the second to see if Carolina was switching. But Newton's a guy that just made critical shots and, and was able to get the shots he wanted with his size. How does North Carolina combat that going down the line? Because the size is not going to change um, as the year progresses. Yeah, I don't know, uh, to be honest. I, I think it's something that's going to be an issue all season. And that's that's the trade-off when you have you know, dynamic lead guard like Elliot Cadeau, a dynamic scorer like R.J. Davis with their size there's going to be trade-offs. And I think that's one of them. I, they have to try and stay in front of them. I, I actually thought they did a good job of, of staying in front of them and, and making them kind of earn it, but he's just taller. He just shot over them. Um, so I think they'll, during this break, you know, they're off until the 16th. So they got about 10 full days off. Me and the coaching staff will go back, go back and evaluate, do some self-scouting like a football team would during a bye week and kind of figure that out and it could just be as simple as there's not a solution and they're gonna have to play through it um but it's definitely something that is earmarked now i think by other teams we've seen multiple teams do it uh josiah james did it for tennessee connect did it for tennessee uh pretty much every player did it for villanova um there's somebody i'm forgetting who had 30 uh mark for for arkansas did it and then we saw spencer and newton do it tonight so um it's definitely in the blueprint of, of how to beat carolina and they're gonna have to figure it out the other thing I'll say, too, is that uh, this is looking forward a little bit. I've been telling all my friends this because I want everybody to understand it. When the transfer portal comes in April, don't snub your nose at guys from teams that may not um, be traditional powers because Newton, arguably the best player on UConn's team, is from East Carolina. So there's talent everywhere, um, and it's just about getting the right fit and, and harnessing that talent once you get it. Yeah, it's one of my funniest and favorite things to watch is when the portal opens, whether there's college football or, or college basketball, people poo-pooing, oh, he's from Podunk University. He must not be any good. You're right. East Carolina would be a little bit better if they had a guy named Newton still on that roster. Talking to Sherelle McMillan, live post-game, Carolina loses by 11 in Madison Square Garden at UConn. Of course, Johnny T-shirt and congruity. Anything left? I always come to you, Sherelle. It's all... You know, I don't like doing these after Carolina loses, but I really like doing these if they do lose with you because you are the voice of reason. You've been that way this entire podcast. We're not going to stay on here for hours to debate it. I thought Carolina gained something. I think Carolina got better tonight uh, playing against UConn. But closing thoughts for the fan base. You see the chat. I'm not going to repeat it. It's pretty typical chat, um, whether um, – you know, folks like it or not, it's a pretty typical reaction from a lot of times. But I think overall, this was a good game for North Carolina despite the loss. Um, your overall thoughts, looking ahead, looking at what you've seen thus far into the season as they go into this 10-day break, what do you like? What are you not liking? What do you think will be significantly different when we see them again against Kentucky? Um, I think the things to like, you know, Harrison Ingram is, is a player. Um, I think there was some question about why he maybe didn't perform the way folks thought he should at Stanford, you know, with his uh, pedigree of being a McDonald's All-American and, and being recruited by schools all over the country. But I think he's showing how good of a player he is. I think R.J. Davis um, now freed up to be a full-time scorer. You, you see what he can do. Uh, four straight games with at least 26 points. So 
you know you have somebody who can keep you in games no matter what. You know you have a, a dynamic, you know, four or three who can uh, pass, who can shoot, who can rebound, and who can back die, back guys down into the post and score. You know you've got a, a point guard with excellent vision, and you know you've got the anchor, fifth-year, you know, senior center who's going to give you, you know, 14 and 12, 13 and 13 pretty much every night. Uh, I think you also know you got Seth Trimble who can come in, be competent, and give you, you know, 10, 15 uh, really good minutes, play solid D, and finish in transition. I think from there is where the question marks start, and I, I didn't anticipate Cormac Ryan being a question mark at this point. I, I don't even know that he is. It's just that he hasn't played well. Um, but I think you know you've got six guys that you can go to and feel comfortable in. I think from here on out, it's about developing two more that you really, really feel comfortable in night in and night out. I think Jalen Washington, that was a tough matchup for him. I think in ACC play against teams not quite as good as UConn, because again, UConn is arguably the best team in the country. Yeah, I know they lost at Rupp, but everybody loses at Rupp. It, nobody was, in, it was in Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, excuse me, Allen Fieldhouse, Rupp, yeah. Kentucky, Kansas. Yeah, nobody wins in Allen Fieldhouse. So like, you know, that's not that big of a deal, I, I think, as far as UConn being a team. So this is not Carolina losing to, I mean, really go back to Villanova. Villanova lost again tonight. So they've got three losses on the season. This isn't Carolina losing to Villanova or Carolina losing to a team that it shouldn't. This was a national championship caliber, you know, team, uh, a number one overall seed type team. And obviously Carolina's not in, um, they're, they're not in the business of moral victories, but you can learn something from a loss. It's never good to lose, but you can learn something from it. And I think they went toe to toe with arguably the best team in the country for about 34 minutes. And then the other team kind of turned it on. And I think it'll give Carolina um, a lesson of what exactly it needs to do to be at that level. Because again, this is not last year's team. We've, we've had a funeral for that team on the coast to coast. That team is done. Um, this is a team that's still learning to play together. So um, give it some time. Seven and two through nine is probably close to what people were hoping for. Uh, I think if you can, if you get a split between these next two games, you'll feel good. If you can get a uh, two and zero oh through these, you'll feel ecstatic uh, about the team moving forward. And then you start ACC play. So there's a lot to like, but obviously still a lot to work on as well. Indeed, your point, seven and two through nine. I think that's about where we said um, we talked about through 11 and through 12. Um, they're on their way. I, I agree with everything you said, as always. North Carolina, they played tough. They played physical. They just weren't good enough to beat UConn tonight. Um, and that hasn't been the case over and over and over in what we will now officially call the past seasons we will no longer reference. North Carolina loses to UConn. They've got a 10-day break, exams in Chapel Hill, and then Kentucky and Oklahoma going into Christmas. Sherelle McMillan, as always, check him out on Coast to Coast and always on the Inside Carolina Premium message boards. Um, one last thing, and I'm going to steal a Joey Powell line. I saw him tweet it. You're not hate-watching anymore, are you? No, it's like fun to watch Carolina basketball again. I mean, even Carolina in, in – um, arguably their worst offensive performance of the year. I think they put up 75 in the last game. I think it was UC Riverside. So 76 is their second lowest of the season. Uh, 18 assists, 28 field goals. I mean, you, you'll you go for that all day. RJ Davis playing well offensively. Um, I think some of the defense, again, is going to have to improve, but it's not, they're not stuck in the mud. It's not like they're 
and I, when I say fighting each other, I'm not saying literally fighting, but it's not like the pieces aren't meshing. Um, it's not like it's all in water. This is a cohesive unit. And I think if you want to take something away through nine games is that all the talk we heard in the offseason about whether or not this team was together, it was like, oh, it's it's easy to be together in the offseason. It's easy, easy to love everybody, you know, in August when you guys are having fun and there's no games. But I think you see it now through the Bahamas and through Tennessee and through the comeback against Georgia Tech and Arkansas and then tonight that this team really is a unit and that's going to serve them well um, moving forward. Shout out to Sherelle. Shout out to the 333 currently in the chat. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity, sponsor of the D's podcast. Please please visit our sponsors. Take care of them. They take care of you. If you're still looking for Christmas gifts, Johnny T-Shirt's got all you need. 10% off if you're a premium subscriber. And, of course, Congruity can help your small or mid-sized business. CongruityHR.com front slash Tar Heels. Appreciate it, Sherelle. If I don't talk to you, have a good holiday season. If I do talk to you, I'll say it again, and I'll say it to everybody. Stay tuned to Inside Carolina, where you get all the best coverage of North Carolina athletics. There is no off-season. There is a silly season, and we're in it right now. Carolina basketball, Carolina football, transfer portals, all that stuff. Stick with us. We'll bring it all to you. Thanks, everybody. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bad. Do average between 29-11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.